Hello, this is More Tea. For those of you who are looking for a little bit more of our Tea and Medals podcast, I'm Jess Bracey, one of the producers on the show, and I'm here with Darren, our host, and we're talking about some of the stories that complement our main episodes. Now, this year marks the 40th anniversary of the Falklands conflict, but not many were familiar of the story of Keith Mills. We uncovered his experience in 1982 in Tea and Medals last year, but with commemorations taking place as we speak, it's time to bring you more about Keith's 1982. Darren, tell us more. Yeah, hi. So as we found out, Keith and his um, extended platoon of Marines had uh, been sent to South Georgia. There'd been whispers of uh, Argentinian activity there, uh, which ultimately ended up with uh, them in a in a battle to defend South Georgia. And then, you know, they were vastly outnumbered and outgunned. So they surrendered and were all taken prisoner and they were taken uh, off to Argentina. Um, so this is, you know, the very beginning of what would go on to be the Argentinian invasion of the Falkland Islands. And he was only 22 at the time. Yeah, and um, uh, there is a picture of him and he looks 22 and uh, he did make a comment about he now has, he had a 22-year-old son many years later and he said about uh, looking at his son and thinking, wow, would... Would I trust? Would I trust him to do what I and my men had to go through all those years ago? And uh, I guess it's those kind of moments bring stuff like that to the forefront of just how extraordinary it was back then. And people don't really know this story that well, do they? They always just assume, you know, the Argentines invaded the Falkland Islands, not South Georgia. Yeah, so South Georgia was a long way from the Falkland Islands, but it's uh, you know it was under the same kind of claim by the Argentinians, and actually the invasion was planned to start in South Georgia before they went on to invade the Falklands because of a storm and other reasons they ended up invading the Falklands first but yeah it was a you know a very very isolated place in the world and uh, very harsh conditions and um, you know there was nobody to come to their rescue. And like you said he was a prisoner of war and this all started off due to like custom stamps on a passport. Yeah, so that's what um, that's what brought them to South Georgia. Some Argentinians had landed there, you know, with permission, and they'd come to remove some scrap metal, but they refused to get their passport stamped. So they had to uh, bring some Royal Marines over who'd been on the Falklands to come and almost um, police the situation. And as we would later find out, and if you want to listen to the full episode, you'll hear it all goes wrong. And his actions actually led him to receive the Distinguished Service Cross. What does this particular medal mean? Yeah, so the Distinguished Service Cross, is, it's been around for a while. So uh, since 1914, before that, it was called the Conspicuous Service Cross. And like many of the gallantry awards back then, the crosses were for officers. Um, and this one in particular was for naval warrant officers and, and officers. And then in 1993, when the award system was reviewed and they removed that eligibility criteria um, so that those crosses became eligible for everyone. He was an officer back in uh, 1982, which is why he received the uh, Distinguished Service Cross. And at the same time, there would have been a medal called the Distinguished Service Medal, which would have been for the other rates, so the um, the non-commissioned officers. And Keith actually received his medal whilst the Falklands conflict was actually going on? Yeah, he did. So his action was right at the outset of the conflict. So it took a while for the troops back in the UK to get the task force built up. And during that time, 
Keith was notified that he was uh, going to be awarded the Distinguished Service Cross. And then there's a period after they were taken prisoner and before they get back to the UK um, where they were taken off to Argentina as, as prisoners of war. And we cut this bit from the main episode, but let's have a listen. I get the call that myself and Pete Leach, the Sergeant Major, are getting a, getting a uh, Land Rover or a vehicle of some description and we're taken into uh, Bahia Blanca and we stop outside this very impressive white building and written in English on the outer walls. And there's a lot of things that are English in, in Argentina, so it wasn't such a surprise. The Argentine Court of Justice. And I thought, this doesn't look good. This is where I get tried for murdering Argentine sol soldiers on Argentine sovereign soil, as they perceive it to be, and having disobeyed direct orders, because I've been told not to take any action to endanger life, etc., etc. So I wasn't very... Um, positive about being taken mm. to this building at all and uh, Pete Leach was taken one way and I was taken the other and I was sat in front of a panel of what appeared to be three very high-ranking admirals and they said uh, Lieutenant Mills um, we'd like to ask you a few questions about South Georgia he said we're not gonna we, we know a lot about you already we know how many Marines there are we know this we know that um, but we're not interested in anything about yourselves what we want to know is what did the Argentinians do when, we, when they came to South Georgia? And I realised quite quickly that this was probably a court of inquiry. So the next day, I fell the Marines in. Booter arrived, and he was the Argentine general who commanded the Falklands invasion as well. So he was in an overall command. And uh, he comes along and as far as I can recall, he salutes every one of my Marines individually and shakes their hand and gets to the end and says, said to me, or said to the group, I think, he said, if the Argentinian Marines were as good as the British Marines, we would conquer the world. And he said, um, I think there's a war coming. And he said, if you take prisoners of war, I hope you treat them as well as we've treated you. And he then said to Pete Leach, he said, um, oh, is there anything you need um, between now and when you're released? So, you know, Pete and I had a quick chat and we sort of said, well, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste, some sort of, I mean, we probably had some of that stuff, but just sort of nice change of clothes, this, mm. that and the other. And on the bottom, I put 22 women and 22 one-way tickets to London. And Busa looks at this list and he says, everything on this list you can have. Except the women. He said, there'll be no women. And the tickets for London you'll have to wait for. Well, the very next day, we flew out of Argentina. And again, I'm thinking, as did most of the detachment, yeah, this is a bluff. We're just getting on a plane, flying around in a circle, landing exactly the same place again. But no, it was at night. I could see flying over the River Plate. I could see Buenos Aires. I could see Montevideo. And I was still thinking, they're not going to land. But sure enough, the plane landed. thought, not going to open the doors, but they did. <laughs> And we stepped out onto the tarmac in Montevideo and there were hundreds, if not thousands, of Uruguayans at this airport all cheering and waving. It was like, um, it was like the Beatles in the, those old days that you used to see on television. And as I walked towards the terminal building, I remember somebody saying, uh, which one of you is Keith Mills? Now, we'd already been to Montevideo about twice, if not three times on that trip, so I just thought somebody who knew me. 
So I said, that's me. And suddenly, all this flash photography went off. And I said to Pete, that's a bit strange. What's that about? Walked inside, was met by the British ambassador, who was a, who was a lady. And she said, Keith, congratulations. You and your men have done such a marvellous job on South Georgia. And I said, well, thank you very much, Mum. I said, but you don't know what we've done yet. We haven't, we haven't told you, because I thought, there's no way the Argentines will have told anybody what we've done to them. Again, I didn't realise how good intelligence had been. Um, the Argentines had obviously made some sort of release about something, but they, they seemed to have a pretty good idea about what had happened, which very much surprised me. And she said, you know, you've been released into a neutral country, Uruguay. You know, they're, they're not pro-Argentinian, but they're certainly not against them. They want to be seen to be neutral. There's an RAF plane on its way out to pick you up, but it's not going to arrive for 24 hours. The pilot's going to have to have three days sleep when they arrive, as is normal for the RAF. So um, we arrive outside this Carrasco Hotel, and it's like Trafalgar Square on New Year's Eve. And the police are holding this back. There's this little channel for us to walk through. And of course, all the... Are you Brit still in uniform? Yes. Yeah. All the British press are there, and they're saying, can you tell us what happened on South Georgia? Lieutenant Mills, can you do this? Can you? And of course, we've been told by the ambassador to say we were not allowed to say anything until we'd left Uruguay, uh, because Uruguay wished to maintain its neut neutrality. So, um, can you tell us this? Can you tell us that? And I said, sorry, I can't answer any questions, so I can't answer any questions. And then one put his hand out and said, Lieutenant Mills, I know you can't answer anything about South Georgia, but have you got a message you'd like me to give your girlfriend Liz back in the UK? I was like, wow, how did he know who my girlfriend was? You know, she was only a girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now, but she was only a girlfriend then. Um, and I remember saying to Pete Lynch, that guy knew the name of my girlfriend. And I think, I think that was the first time I realised how big it actually was, mm. because for people to go to that much trouble to find a... There, there was obviously real interest. And all the time we'd been captives, we'd discussed what we thought was going to happen. And I think we all agreed that the Brits wouldn't do anything. There'd be a few loud noises made and a, uh, some political gesturing, but would we actually send a task force to retake them? No way. It was all over as far as we were concerned. We suddenly arrive in Montevideo and find out that's not the case at all. The, the task, task force, force has been assembled. The task force is at sea. It's like, wow, this is, you know, great news. Yeah. Um, and I think I can honestly say the 24 hours we spent in that hotel were probably the best 24 hours of my entire life because um, to be free, going home, to be released as a prisoner of war, to go home. I mean, I, I genuinely believe that I might be court-martialed when I got home for, for disobeying direct orders. So I was so, well, elated to find out that not only was I not going to be court-martialed, I was going to be fated as a hero instead. Keith Mills, Distinguished Service Cross, speaking about his experience after he left South Georgia. Yeah, and obviously, as Keith said, they became kind of minor celebrities. Um, probably not like we see today with the rise of social media, but everyone knew who they were back then. And they came back to the UK. You know, it was all in the national papers. And at the same time, the war was about to just really ramp up. The task force was heading towards the Falkland Islands and Keith and many of the Marines would join them and get back into the fight. And away from the conflict itself, I've heard that there's been one individual in history that actually broke the record books with the Distinguished Service Cross. Yeah, so a guy called Norman Morley, Royal Navy Reserve, and he served during World War I and World War II. And he was awarded the DSC for the first time in 1919. Then he was awarded it the second time in 1944. And then he got awarded it two more times in 1945. So... Yet, the world record holder 
had it four times, making him the most decorated Royal Navy Reserve officer. What an incredible story and an incredible legacy as well from Norman. As for Keith, you can hear his full story of tea and medals, Keith Mills, DSC, South Georgia Invasion. And for a full insight into the Falklands conflict, listen to our latest BFBS series, Falklands 82 Stories from the South Atlantic. Highly recommend that. I've been listening to that on the, on the drive-in this morning. Definitely recommend Falklands 82. Next on tea and medals, though, we've got Sergeant Steve Heaney, Military Cross. Steve was a pathfinder and he served during the British intervention in the Sierra Leone Civil War. And we hear about his fight between the, the Pathfinders and the rebel forces there. And definitely an episode not to be missed. That's coming up next on Tea and Medals. Don't forget that you can watch the full episode on the BFBS Creative YouTube. And if you are listening, please leave us a few comments on what other stories you would like to hear. That's all for now. If you like the series, rate it, leave us a review and share it with your mates. Thank you.